Seinfeld, the kiss hello is over, but we are just getting started here on the Seinfeld Post Show Recap here on PostShowRecap.com. And now, here are the two guys who are not giving a kiss hello to too many people. I'm Rob Sister. Here's Keith Whitaker. Keith, how are you? I thought you were going to say two guys who have been referred to as delicate idiots. Before. Delicate idiots. That's right. Yes, we love to flamenco. Here we are. We are back. I am back here in the studio. We didn't have to record a Seinfeld podcast while I was on the road, but I've been back and forth around the country, and now I am finally back home. Yeah, it feels like it's been a while, but we didn't miss a week somehow in there. Yeah, we ended up recording the beard on the Monday before I left, and now here we are the Wednesday that I am back now home uh, to talk about the Kiss Hello which is, what, the 103rd episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, I keep thinking, like, oh, we're almost done. But then you think about 103, and it's 77 weeks. That's a year and a half. Yeah, so still a ways to go here as we continue our ongoing rewatch of the great Seinfeld television series. Akiva, how are you? I'm doing all right. I just had, like, a really awkward thing happen to me, like, an hour ago. Oh, what happened? I was my... Uh, my it's is past- this a bit? Hold on, is this real? Yeah, this is real. Okay. Everything I say is real. I don't what am, what am I make I make up better stuff if it was making up bits. Okay. I was uh my wife's family's in for the holiday, in for Passover. And there's a lot of steps to get into my place. So we decided to pull her her grandmother up. We you know, we're gonna be lazy and we're just gonna carry her in her wheelchair. Okay. Because it's not that many steps, it's like one it's really heavy, but then you're done. You know? Got it. And it's like awkward to like take someone out and there's too many steps for her to do. So we start doing it and I had just come downstairs. So I'm like wearing like pajama, you know, my work attire, which is like an old T-shirt and shorts and my Crocs and socks. <laughs> and and as we're doing it, I realize like my shorts don't have like the string tied oh, no. and they just start falling down. And I'm, I still have like seven steps to go and it's really heavy. And we're like taking breaks almost because it's, you know, a wheelchair is really heavy. Yeah. And... <laughs> And now I have to make a decision. And it's like, okay. Uh, well, this you know, is like what when I, George was reading that Glamour magazine and then his mom yes, walked into the room. Exactly. And then what was, I do think this is very sitcom I feel like this exact, maybe not with a wheelchair, but like this thing has happened. But it, this did actually just caught happen. her or zipped up. Yeah, or, that's true. <laughs> so then my shorts actually fall down to my ankles. <laughs> and now it's like your instinct is to pull them up. But I'm also like holding like a 150 pound wheelchair with my wife. Right. <laughs> And like, so it's not a big deal. Okay, I'm like in my boxers. But then like two neighbor kids run by and my kids are like, ah. <laughs> so luckily, like we, I like leaned on a step for like a split second, pulled them up and like, I, you know, nobody came, no police came by and like arrested me for indecent exposure or anything. Okay, thank goodness. All right. But uh, it's a bad omen for, for this podcast because it just happened. And now I feel like we're going to be cool with our pants down for the podcast. No, how could we? What would be the equivalent of that? I, let's say we and this is really one of my fears that we watched the wrong episode like uh, one of us didn't watch the right episode you know like how mad thing. would you be if i'm like i accidentally watched the doorman because that's like the dvd order yeah and now like can you wait 22 minutes while i watch uh the like what would you do you'd be I, mad yeah it would be annoying i would have to say i have often found myself very afraid that i would actually do that so uh, like i actually looked it up before i ended up watching the kiss hello because the name didn't totally ring a bell to me but you know it had been a long time for me it seemed like since we recorded the last show usually it's like okay it makes sense it clicks in my mind i remember you had said something about it at the last episode but 
I've thought I may I might have done that at one point. I should try and trick you into watching the wrong episode one week and then oh, just blame it on hilarious. <laughs> it would be. And then you just sort of like whoever watched the wrong one would just have to guess what everything is or like we'd explain it. We're yeah. not waiting here 25 minutes for you to watch it. Yeah. As long <laughs> as it's like has to be maybe not an iconic episode. Like don't do that with the soup Nazi because you can. No, I won't do it like on like sense memory, but it's sort of something that's sure. uh, not a well-known <laughs> episode. That might be a little bit. Uh, maybe, I'll uh, pick a, a clunker and I'll, clunker. I'll trick you into watching the wrong one there. All right. Well, Akiva, before we get into talking about the Kiss Hello, let's talk about a busy week in Seinfeld. Uh, yes. Well, first, why don't you, since you have an SNL podcast, why don't you give me your thoughts on the uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus uh, hosting of Saturday Night Live? Well, the big story has to be that Julie Louis-Dreyfus is reprising the role of Elaine Bennis in the cold open. How about that? Uh, yeah. I feel like it's, I happen to follow uh, Chris Kelly, who's like a very funny... Uh, he's a writer for Saturday Night Live, but I think now he's maybe like in charge of the writers or something. Mm-hmm. So he said like he wrote that, you know, he writes, I guess, like the biggest sketch of the week. And he said like his two favorite shows are Saturday Night Live and Seinfeld. So like to him, that was, you know, he was writing that sketch, I guess, uh, you know, whether you liked it or not. Yeah. So what did you think of that? A couple of Seinfeld jokes, including, uh, you know, very topical for where we are in Seinfeld. Uh, well, first that they did the uh, yada, yada, yada joke. Uh, which uh, we actually recently uh, mentioned on the Survivor voicemail show uh, that you did about, you know, you can't yada yada the breaking up the big banks. And then also very topical of that we did the beard this past week and Elaine quoted uh, your ball. Yeah, they really squeezed like four or five, uh, you know, famous Seinfeld jokes into that one sort of like one minute bit. But yeah, the your ball, uh, it was very timely. I'm, I'm assuming some if not all the saturday night live uh you know writers are are big fans of uh of uh, this podcast i did you know i did uh, once my my office was once this saturday night live writers room so we hadn't started this podcast yet but maybe i left some of my aura behind and they, they follow the podcast <laughs> yeah there you go so uh what do you think about it i thought it was funny um of course larry I david th- if you didn't see it is bernie sanders in this sketch as well yeah, Larry's really making a meal. It's funny, like, I, I mean, I guess he's in New York for whatever reason now. I think he lives in L.A., but, you know, you'd think he's, like, too cantankerous to keep coming. But I guess it's hard to say no to Lorne Michaels. Like, when Lorne calls, I guess you have to come. Yeah, I think he's getting a lot of good pub on this also. I think that he really has to enjoy doing it. I mean, he might not be doing anything. Like, we don't know what he's up to. Like, maybe he's writing a movie or maybe he's secretly working on Curb. We don't know. Maybe it's just kind of a, you know, addictive of that, you know, you don't have to, it's not a lot of hard work. You just show up for Saturday night and you, and people like, you know, for weeks, like, oh, I love it when you did that. That's great. You know, compared to the seven day a week grind of making a sitcom. Yeah. Especially if you're the showrunner, that's a tremendous amount of work. Yeah, I think so. So maybe he's just Larry's, you know, he just likes, you know, being out there in front of the live audience. Everybody sees it on TV. So maybe it's just a, you know, a real thrill for him. Yeah, and this is like him in semi-retirement, possibly. So he's, uh, you know, and he's never really been an on-the-screen performer other than Curb. So, you know, he was he was a writer on Saturday Night Live, but he was never on screen. So maybe this is uh, scratching an itch that he's always had. Yeah. Okay, so then in terms of the show, what did you think? It wasn't the strongest episode. There really wasn't one memorable sketch. Uh, you know, she does a good job. She's a pro, but I just didn't think. Sometimes uh, you get late in the season, and the writing staff has exhausted a lot of their good ideas. Okay. All right. Well, what else is going on in the world of Seinfeld before we get into the episode? 
You know, there was a crazy theory that people were pining about this week, and I thought it's worth uh, mentioning. It's something that we would come up with, but uh, Marcos Hasiotis of, uh, of Cracked Magazine or Cracked.com beat us to it. Yes. What is and it? And it's about, it's about the episode in the third season called The Suicide. Okay. And if you remember, George goes to a psychic, and the psychic says, uh, what does Pauline mean to you, George? And George says, my brother impregnated a woman named Pauline. And we discussed that nauseam at the time that George doesn't really have a brother. I think in a cab once he mentions having a brother a couple episodes later. But those are the only two George brother references ever. Yes. So the theory from this, uh, this crack.com writer is that the episode is called The Suicide. But if you think about it, what's the suicide in the episode? The Jerry's upstairs neighbor Martin attempts suicide, but you know he in the beginning of the episode, but he recovers from it. Yeah. So you know maybe that's not the suicide. Maybe that there's a suicide from George's brother. Wow. And you know, so he goes and he has a few. He has a few reasons why the George, off camera. George, you know, he is, he says it's canonical that George's brother kills himself. Yeah. So he goes into a few explanations that. uh you know, George, he mentions, he does, oh, so the other mention of George's brother for reference is in the parking space. George says, I can't park in a garage. Elaine says, why? He says, I don't know. I can't. Nobody in my, nobody in my family can pay for parking. It's a sickness. My, my father never paid for parking. My mother, my brother, nobody. We can't do it. Um, and they're saying this is an episode that happened just a, a week or two later. So maybe he's, uh, this is like a tribute to his deceased brother. He cannot park in a parking space, just like his brother. Oh, um, it was like some sort of like parking garage incident, do you? Uh, that, well, that's very possible. Uh, but th- now we're beating uh, Marcos because he didn't even say that. Uh, yeah. In the next episode, the fix-up, George is really depressed. His first line in the episode is, why even try anymore? You know, he's, we don't have a reason why he's so depressed other than he's just George Costanza and his life is lousy. Yeah. But it's possible that, uh, that his brother kills himself. And again, maybe the theory is that he kills himself because he, he uh, knocks up this lady and he's upset about it. <laughs> wow. And then the question is, we don't know in the... In the limo, he says it, a line that we mentioned at the time was super weird that George says, my hamstring hurts. I heard it in a hotel room and we were trying to analyze why George would have been in a hotel room. So he, he couldn't have been on a business trip, right? He didn't have a job in season three. Yes. So Marcos's theory is that he was in a hotel room for an out of town funeral for his brother's out of town funeral. Wow. Uh, yeah, and then he says that's why his parents are so mean to him because they love Marcos and they didn't love, you know, because we haven't seen the Costanzas at this point. Yeah. That, you know, they love, they, the Marcus is the writer. They loved, uh, they loved this brother. They didn't love George. Yeah, I'm uh, not buying like, this because. No, I you're not buying it? Estelle Costanza, that she does not hold anything back. I think, especially following the events of the contest, she would talk about, you know, your brother would never do something like this. You know, that he would come up and she said, why couldn't you be like your brother? Why couldn't it have been you? But what if it's one of those taboo things? Like sometimes people don't bring, bring them up. There's, he has one more thing, which is. Uh, when we see them sitting down to eat at the dining room, there's always four chairs in the Costanza's dining room. And we know the Costanza are really cheap. So why would they have a fourth chair at their table if it was a three-person family? You know, if it was, if it was just a three-person family. Mm, I don't know. You, and there's an urn. He, should, he has like a picture of an urn in the background. <laughs> you buying this? You're in on this? No, of course not. But right. I do like, I give him an E for effort for, for a ridiculous harebrained theory. This was sent to us by listener Tzvi. When crack.com gets their uh, Jerry and Larry interview, they can ask that question. Okay. Yeah, but, but um, it, I noticed it also because Jason Alexander himself got sent the theory and he said, I always wanted to have a brother on the show 
Uh, mm-hmm. And I, if, if it, I did have a brother, I wanted Larry to play my brother. Oh, that's funny. That's almost yeah. like the SNL skit version of this. Sure. But it was also confusing. They sort of like, they did that when Larry hosted. Like, we didn't know who was Larry and who was. But um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll crack that up. We'll, uh, we'll put that in the, uh, the no column. But it's, it's you know, he, he tried. Okay. All right. Akiva, anything else? No, I think that's enough. Let's get into episode number 103, which is uh, the Kiss Hello, written by Jerry and Larry. Yeah, I think there's only one more episode after this that Jerry writes. Okay. What does that mean? Because we have this episode written by Jerry and Larry, but is this just sort of like a writer's room special? Like, how, how does this end up being a Jerry and Larry episode? I mean, I can only guess, but I do, th- you know, there's generally, I believe the way writer's room works is that episodes are pretty much parceled out before the season or for you know the you know for the entire season at the beginning so it's you know if there's eight writers in the room besides the two you know showrunners they might say like okay we need to get melman too and we need to get the the mandale schaefers too and you know and then whatever's left over i guess they write or maybe they have an idea i'm not not exactly sure how it works but I think there's basically a schedule generally. And maybe a more senior writer gets two or three episodes, whereas a new writer will get one the first season. I don't know why Jerry, who's barely written at this point, decides to write one episode here. And the only after the Cadillac, he never gets a writing credit again. All right. So we open up with Jerry's stand up and he's talking about how the hair, we kiss people on the head and we, we like that they have hair. But if one of those hairs ends up in our food, then... People freak out. Do you feel like this is an odd piece of stand-up coming from Jerry? Because doesn't it seem like he would freak out if he had a hair in his suit? It's almost like he seems like these people are so crazy. They're like, it's just a hair, people. Yeah, it is funny because it sort of works with the theme of like he doesn't like people coming too close to him. He doesn't want to give everyone kisses or even get to know people. Um, but right, he should be the most anti-hair person. I, I mean, I'm on board with the with the theory that hair and food is gross. But I also, you know, I grew up with three sisters and... I live with three women and and there's just hair everywhere. Yeah. Don't you think that the issue is that the hair that's in the food or whatever, we don't know whose it is where it's almost like if you could identify the hair, if you had the DNA evidence of like, oh, it's just my wife's hair, (laughs) like it's just uh, my brother's hair. Okay, that's fine. I think that the part that really is upsetting where it's like, I don't know whose hair this is. It could be anybody's. Sure. Right. And this bit, right. And if it's like, if you have like a redhead or like, uh, you know, my daughters are blonde, like I know, okay, this blonde hair is probably theirs. But if you're right, if you're getting like Chinese food and you see a hair, right. it's like, oh my God, this could be anybody's. I don't know who this is. Although very topical uh, this week after the uh, Anita Hill, Clarence Thomas documentary aired on HBO. Wait, is there a big hair thing? I really don't know the Clarence Thomas case so well. I think this is the hair thing. Okay, uh, so let's get into the episode proper where Jerry and George are talking about how if they were in Spain, do you have to go flamenco dancing? (laughs) Seems sort of an odd thing to be discussing. Yeah, it doesn't have any payoff past this scene. And they do that sometimes of just like, this is, you know, nonsense that was uttered in the writer's room. But I I, I don't think, uh, I think it's just bizarre. Also, a lot of talk about ketchup and uh, because Jerry gets a call from Nana that she needs Jerry to come over and help her open the ketchup bottle. And a lot of talk about squeezable ketchup. I mean, in my mind, I thought this was always a thing. Uh, We did see earlier, I forget which episode it was, where Russell Dalrymple is asking Elaine for 
her ketchup trick and the glass bottle of ketchup. Akiva, did squeezable ketchup really disrupt the ketchup game? Yeah, you know, I should have researched this before the podcast, but I do think that in the 80s and and before that, the Heinz bottles were probably almost exclusively glass. And then they had these, you know, fancy plastic ones come along. And now only restaurants would have the glass ketchup bottles. Yeah. So, but mustard ended up getting the squeeze treatment well before ketchup. I mean, it, can you think of glass mustard things? No, but I feel like I... Could. Oh, maybe the small, like, Grey Poupon type yeah, like comes in, in a, like a jar. Sure. Right. But, like, the Gold's mustard or Golden's or whoever, like, all those mustards are... are uh, yeah. Are, you know, they're in a squeeze bottle for as long as I can remember. Yeah. See, the squeeze bottle, according to the Heinz ketchup, uh, ketchup timeline... In 1983, that was the debut of the squeezable ketchup bottle. But I do think that maybe, especially like in restaurants and stuff like that, I think that they do like to have the glass bottle on the table. Yeah, it looks, I guess it looks tacky to have the plastic bottle. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd rather, uh, tr- to be honest, I'd rather have the plastic bottle and know how to, you know, be able to use it than right. the annoying skinny. And there's very little ketchup in the glass bottle also. Very little. Uh, 2002 saw the debut of the upside down formed uh, plastic squeezable bottle where you could just keep it on it's up, you know upside down so it all goes to where the squeeze part would wait be. so they didn't have plastic till 2002 no to 1983 was the first squeezable bottle okay all I remember is when I when I like got married I went to like buy ketchup and they Heinz used to have like random celebrity names on the ketchup bottle yes. So and I got a few and ketchup lasts for a long time. So for like the first year of our marriage, we used ketchup bottle and it's, you know, the ketchup bottle instead of saying Heinz on it, it said Lindsay Lohan. Okay. And it was just bizarre. Like it doesn't say Heinz you anywhere. Ketchup for the wedding? No, it, was, it wasn't for the wedding. It was like for the marital home. You know, it was okay. like <laughs> you get married, you don't have anything in your house. The marital ketchup. Yeah. So it was like, oh, buy, buy the first ketchup and it was Lindsay Lohan ketchup. Yeah. Wow. And did you guys save the bottle? No, I I feel like it would be a collector's item if she gets her act together ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, George talks about how they should have ketchup in a tube, like toothpaste. I mean, I can't envision, like, that's, first of all, it's too small to be like, a you know, I, I it would have to be bigger. I don't know how that would work. I feel like we've solved these ketchup problems. I think so. Uh, and then they continue to debate the ketchup and mustard thing as they head out onto uh, the street to talk about this and uh, that they're going to go eventually uh, see Elaine on the street. Uh, she is with Wendy played by Wendy Malick, the actress probably best known for her work on just shoot me. Okay. Did you watch I don't that? know her from anywhere? <laughs> you, you, I mean, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. The, I, we, I had to watch it that. for, uh, for the podcast, this podcast, but you never watched it when it was on. You just, watched Oh, I know it. I did. I, I did, but I don't remember like a lot of the peripheral people. Yes. She was also on the HBO comedy series Dream On. No, I never saw that. Yes. Uh, that was like a almost like a precursor before, you know, even like Larry Sanders or Sex in the City. That was like the, an R-rated comedy that used to be on HBO. You know, some of the 80s HBO shows have been forgotten by history. Yeah, 1990 to 1996. So it had a good run, Dream On. Really? I would have guessed it lasted one episode. Starring Brian Ben-Ben. Yeah what yeah yeah no and it was like a, it was like very dirty would that be in your top 100 tv shows uh <laughs> i probably would not be but i think when i was 12 it definitely would have been okay yeah <laughs> it might have been number one <laughs> with a bullet oh boy 
Uh, but gotcha. that being that being said, all right, so here's Wendy, and she's Elaine's friend. She has bad hairdo. Yeah, but they didn't make it as bad as I feel like if, if the whole shtick of Wendy in this episode is that she has bad hair, her hair isn't bad enough. Yeah, no, that's part of it. That's part of it. And so that also she does a thing where she's always kissing Jerry. Hello. He wants to get out of the kiss. Hello program. Yeah, I do like that. It's a program. Um, yeah, it's really an epidemic. I don't know what's happening in this building, but uh, this is they make it seem like this is a relatable problem. Yes. Why do you have this a lot? Or you have a lot of people that are kissing you. Hello? No, nobody wants to kiss me. Hello. I mean, people, I guess, would probably kiss me goodbye just because it, it's like guaranteeing I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I don't. I'm not, I'm not on a kiss. Hello program with anyone other than grandparents. Yeah. Boy, this is real. I struggle with this so much. I'm sure we've talked about this before where I meet a person and it's certainly OK. It's easier where it's a man, but there's a whole different set of other problems there uh, with a man. But I, I go through this flow chart. Where, OK, OK, I'm meeting a I'm meeting a woman. OK, is this is this a handshake? Is this a hug? Is this a kiss? Hello. And I often like, OK, oh, wait, I go in for the handshake and then it's like I, I blew it. You know, I'm going in for a hug. She's putting out her hand. Uh, am I supposed to do a kiss? Hello. It's terrible. And then with with a guy, you, you take the kiss. Hello off the table, but you still have the possibility of the hug. You have the handshake. And then there's also the extra like, you know, the it could be like some sort of like, um, you know, Joanna Cespedes type handshake. Uh, where I just have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. So it's terrible. Well, what do you want? Because people are listening now. Like, if you meet Rob, what what is Rob hoping for? Are you hoping for a handshake? Are you hoping for, like, a quick hug? What do you want? (sighs) Boy. Um, Because I'll tell you what I want after. What do you... uh, You know, it really really depends. I I just want clarity. I'll, I'll do whatever. Yeah. Okay. You just you want it to be telegraphed, so you know, like you don't go for a hug. Yeah, I don't want to do the wrong thing. Like, hug yeah. is nice. Hug is nice. Uh, I'm not a hugger. Nobody. I, I don't hug anybody. Yeah. I don't, I don't like a lot of I don't know contact from anybody. Yeah. I wouldn't mind just the fist bump, to be honest. That would okay. Be so nice. I was. That's what I was going to say. If you see me on the street, yeah, and that would be a crazy sighting. But if you see me, I'm I go for the fist bump, man or woman. Go for the fist bump. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I just feel like people are insulted if you if you do that. I don't want to insult anybody. I feel like the fist bump is is friendlier. It it shows like, hey, we're already buddies. Yeah. You know, we don't need to go through this whole shebang every every time we see each other. Like the handshake is awkward, and then it's like you have to worry about like, you know, oh, I'm gonna get. First of all, when you were a kid, everyone's you know your friends' dads are like, oh, that's a handshake. You know, you're you get a lot of handshake critiques when mm-hmm. you're a kid. Yeah, and that so now you don't want to be that guy and and. I don't know. So I think the fist bump, you can't go wrong with the fist bump. Yeah, it's tough. It's very tricky. And then the handshake. We bring back the chest bump, but that's more of like <laughs> that's, a, yeah, a sports. That could go uh, awry. It, it could go wrong. Yeah. It could go wrong. But I, I'd say the fist bump is the way to go. <laughs> okay. So uh, we also establish here that George has excellent hearing. That Because uh, George uh, tells Jerry that he only is, has one kiss hello. Jerry says he admires that. And with, with a little bit of uh, exposition here about how Jerry uh, admires that. George says, oh, boy, I never thought you admired anything about me. That's not true. I admire your hearing, Jerry says. Uh, yeah, and see, this is actually one of my favorite parts of the episode because they're having this minor conversation, just like, you know, the flamenco conversation or the ketchup conversation, but this really and subtly comes back to play in a big way. Unfortunately, you know, maybe it's not funny enough to be some classic scene, you know, that ties up the episode, 
but they do plant the seed very well here. Seed is planted. All right, so here's Wendy. We also find out that Wendy is a physical therapist. George has a thing on his arm that he wants Wendy to go and take a look at. So he's going to go and stop by her office. Uh, yeah, it's like a very formal office for a physical therapist. Also, there's got to be a lot of physical therapists in the office. That's a lot of uh, a lot of money in real estate in Manhattan. Yeah, and Elaine is also annoyed about how George is going to horn in on Wendy's practice. Yeah, you don't like when when you're like two worlds connect, <laughs> right? Like if like if my real life friends were to meet my internet friends, and then my internet friend would say, "Hey." Do you know Akiva? Is he a nerd? Oh, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, then they, and then the then the, the 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 internet friends and the real life friends both agree that I'm a nerd. <laughs> you know, then it's like, oh man, they should never have met. You're killing independent Kiev. <laughs> yes. Okay, I could. I could have created this whole narrative, and now it's, it's just blown up. I'm just giving <laughs> a hypothetical. I don't. I don't know if that actually happened. Like, I did get a couple emails. Like, why, why does Rob keep asking if you're a nerd? <laughs> I w- I want to try to uh, get what a consensus is because I don't know if I was off base. But that, was it you? So you asked you asked my friends. Did, was it a unanimous yes? Yes. Even like how many of them? Because one of them, I think, four of my friends were, went to your live event. Yeah. All four of them said nerd. Yes. Because one of them doesn't even know me. I don't know. That's just like <laughs> someone's brother. Maybe people are just like, oh, let me just tell him what he wants to hear. His wife, even my friend's wife, said I'm a nerd. They said, oh, you know what? It's really the person that makes fun of him the most is his wife. So he doesn't mind. True. He, he doesn't get offended if anybody else is making fun of him. Because That's it's true. Not That's as true. Bad as you, how his wife makes fun of him. That's fair. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dulled to the pain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then uh, we end up seeing everybody going into monks. And it, it's sort of funny to have the immediate aftermath of this meeting with Wendy because they're all sort of like in their own heads a little bit where Jerry is sort of in his own head about, oh, why do I have to have these kiss hellos? And George is like, who does she think she is that, you know, you can't ask her about, you know, the one thing she does unless you're in her office. Oh, you know, he's talking about uh, we can't disturb the delicate little genius. I mean, it is true. Like, I think there is like they do point out, uh, you know, sort of this idea of this terribly unfair relationship where, you know, you are at the beck and call of the doctor, but the doctor can take, you know, take a week off and go to Vail and there's nothing you could do about it. Nothing you could do about it. Uh, and Jerry asks Lane, what's with the hairdo? And it's just like something out of a yearbook. And they end up deciding that the only person who could tell Kramer, as we've seen many times before on the show, what's the one thing you can't say in front of this person Get Kramer in the scene. He'll say it. They're going to try to use that to their advantage. Yeah, I think they're playing the odds well here. The odds of Kramer uh, saying something dumb are, are pretty high. Yeah. And so Kramer walks in and uh, they're going to get him to talk to Wendy. Kramer's looking for a picture of Jerry. He's putting up everybody's picture in the lobby of the building. So everybody knows each other's name. Akiva, is this not the same exact subplot as in the nonfat yogurt? when Elaine is trying to go to Lloyd Braun to say that David Dinkins should get everybody to wear name tags because then everybody will know each other's names and it will be a better city. It is very similar. It's like a worse version of, of that. Yes. <laughs> you know, I love the nonfat yogurt. But I, I mean, it's also like if this is a really fancy building and we don't have an idea of how fancy it is, but it doesn't look fancy from the, 
you know, they don't with the set downstairs, like the like the entry to the lobby, the lobby of the building. But I do think that it's like 1990s Manhattan. They're never doing this. You know, I, I just feel like the like the privacy stuff and oh, this guy's out of town. Let's rob him. I don't know. I don't think it's happening. <laughs> yeah. And not for anything. It also is uh, done very poorly, I think. Yeah, and there's like 12 people that live in the building, so they shouldn't know each other's names anyway. <laughs> and a lot of guys that live in the building. Like it's, it's mostly, mostly dudes. Men. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, mostly, it's a dude's building. <laughs> it's an all-men building. And I believe that in the non-fat yogurt, and maybe my memory is wrong, I believe Kramer comments about what a horrible idea this was and how Dinkins really blew it with this. He does. I think he says the exact words, right? Dinkins really blew it. <laughs> yeah like he comes in like hey buddy turn on the news because uh oh it's on tv how bad this dinkins name tag idea is yeah but when it's kramer's idea like he would have laughed at a make your own pizza store also unless it's his idea yeah i brought up the script from non-fat yogurt he says oh did you hear about dinkins oh you didn't hear he's proposing a plan where everyone in the city should wear name tags uh jerry says name tags kramer says yeah so people can go around saying hello to one another uh he's become the laughing stock you know, the Times has already stated it could cost him the election. Name tags. Yeah, so uh, a couple of years and maybe some, uh, you know, mind-altering substances. And Kramer's on the other side of this debate. Okay, so he's completely, he's a flip-flopper on the name tag issue. That's right. Okay, so we end up seeing Jerry go over to Nana's house and Uncle Leo is there. He's also been called in to open the bottle of ketchup. Uh, yeah, listen, you know, she wants to call backups. She wants to call backups in. It's somehow remarkably this bottle of ketchup is not open yet no leo's been there for a half hour but uh hasn't hasn't gotten to open the ketchup all right and so uh that jerry gives nana a kiss hello and so uh we start to see about the uh slipping mental capacities of nana seinfeld that she's uh really confused about everything she talks about how uh you should get buddy from next door to open it he hasn't lived next door to them for you know 40 50 years and then uh, she mentions about how, Leo, did you give Helen the $50? Yeah. And really what a uh, sort of what an, uh, uh, you know, a, a fortuitous thing that, that she's just remembering this right here. Right. Because that this $50 that Grandpa Seinfeld won at the track in 1942 or something like that, then uh, that Leo was with him and he's supposed to give Helen Seinfeld $50. It's a lot of money to win back then also. A lot of money to win. It's a really good day at the track. A lot of money to, you know, to give away to kids, especially uh, in yeah, that time. Yeah, $50. They would have, like, put it in their college fund or something, right? Right. I mean, $50 to a kid now would be, like, a big thing. Here, hey, kid, here's $50. Give this to your sister. Yeah. What year was it? I guess they said uh, he died in 62, so it had to be. It was, like, 42 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's a crazy amount of money. <laughs> it's a lot that of money. That would have paid for like four years of college. Yeah, especially, uh, you know, post-depression era. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of money. Sure, I should have asked my grandfather what he paid in uh, 1948 to go to CCNY, to City College. Car, right. <laughs> for $50. <laughs> uh, like, we that's haven't... a salary. My uh, uh, grandpa, Charlie Wieneker, who was a New York City bus driver, I feel like that's what he was making in that year. Right. Uh, we haven't checked in with the inflation calculator uh, too often, but $50 in 1942. I'm sure somebody has this in, when we get to the voicemail. Yeah, Johnny DeSilvera, I think, wrote it in. Yeah, according to the inflation calculator that I tend to use, $730 in modern times. 
Yeah. Um, and I, well, yeah, he comes up with six something, but uh, that was that was 20 years ago at this point. <laughs> That's right. Right. For yeah, if you were going to look at the 1995 calculation at that point in time, yeah, that would be. Uh, I've got 467 on my inflation calculator. Boy, this uh, this inflation, I don't know if you heard, is really, uh, really amping up. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I also like, how do you even calculate inflation uh, pre-internet? I'm not, I'm not sure how the writing staff did it. They, you know, Morty Seinfeld might have just come up with a fake number. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Leo is like, I definitely did not owe your mom this money. I definitely did not. Uh, for me, this storyline really doesn't go anywhere. No, um, you know, Leo's caught red handed. There's not really any uh, sort of did he or didn't he because he's so shady, Willie, yeah. uh, Leo. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I agree. This is uh, it's pretty much of a dud of a, of a C or D storyline. Yeah, to me, both literally and figuratively, uh, no payoff to this story. No, because we already know, like when he goes to speak to Buddy at the end, like we already know the answer. There's no like... Yeah, it wasn't a big mystery. Yeah, there's no mystery. There's no like... It was telegraphed too much. All right, we also lay down some more track here with something that's not really funny at all, where Jerry is talking to Julio, the building supervisor. And boy, how many building supervisors have there been during the nine season run of Seinfeld? Yeah, it's like Murphy Brown secretaries. There's been a lot of supers. (laughs) Well, Kramer is never the super <laughs> on Seinfeld. That's true. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so Jerry needs to get the hot water working in his apartment. And Julio says he's going to work on it. All right. So he goes back to his apartment, Jerry, and he finds Kramer going through the drawers looking for what we find out to be a picture. Uh, Jerry says, what are you doing? Kramer says, oh, I'm making out my will. I need a pen. I've got a big slice of dough for you, buddy. So does this speak to Kramer's uh, finances at all? No, I, I you know, I, he, I mean, he's clearly lying and he just gets caught. And it is, by the way, if someone like catches you with something that is always good, like, oh, I was getting you a present. You know, yes. why are you in my uh, why are you in my looking at my wallet? Well, I wanted to see. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if you needed a fresh new hundred dollar bill. I don't know. Right. All right. So he's looking for a picture because Kramer says, well, you know, you won't get robbed if people know your name. Uh, Jerry has a good line. He says, well, you're robbing me and you know my name. Uh, so Yeah, it's one of the better lines of the, of the episode. Elaine is with him and then they want to have Kramer meet Wendy. So Wendy is going up to Jerry's apartment. I'm not sure what they told Wendy to get her to go up to Jerry's apartment, but Kramer comes back in five minutes. Elaine says, oh, I just want you to come back. I think that Kramer gets the idea that Elaine is hitting on him. Yeah, it's one of the more sort of intimate scenes between Elaine and Kramer in this in the series. Like, uh, Kramer's get it. They play it both pretty well, uh, but Kramer gets a little excited here. Yeah. All right. So we see Jerry also call up Helen Seinfeld and say, hey, did Uncle Leo ever give you the $50? And I think you should say something to him. Uh, We end up seeing now that Morty Seinfeld is really getting again. Morty's character trait is that he's obsessed with money. So this is right in his wheelhouse. Yeah, but so is Leo. Leo's obsessed with getting free stuff and sort of, you know, kind of stealing or or being on you know fudging the law a little bit um yeah and 50 dollars was so much that if this story was like two dollars leo could just say oh you don't remember helen but for 50 bucks she'd for sure remember she'd remember morty says you know he's not gonna get away with this so all right so here comes wendy she gets up here and jerry is going to try to get out of the kiss hello here it's gone it's gone far enough uh, Jerry also suggests the uh, you could have a touch a breast hello. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if that's if that's holding up. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably, you know, uh, an intriguing idea. But then, you know, uh, when you go somewhere with your wife and everybody's saying hello, probably not as fun. No. And don't do that to us when we're saying just give us the fist bump. Don't start like touching (laughs) our chest and stuff. Please don't touch my (laughs) breasts. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, All right. So she comes to the door. Finally, Uh, Jerry does a pretty good job here. He hides his head in the refrigerator. So Wendy can't get him. Yeah, this is probably the, the most I laughed in this episode. He, there is actually some physical comedy from Jerry here, and uh, he does a pretty good job. It's funny. All right. So here comes Wendy. Uh, she gets in, and now Kramer finally comes in, and you expect Kramer to tell Wendy, uh, like a la the nose job of like, oh, you've got a, you know, a, a pretty uh, terrible nose. You got to do something about that. Kramer walks in. He uh, likes the haircut. Yeah, he zigs when he's supposed to zag. But it, again, this doesn't really go anywhere. Um, like, why does he like it? I guess it's just his opinion. But again, they didn't make it bad enough that, I mean, I guess they they need a shade of gray just because Kramer likes it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't exactly know what they're trying to do here. And Kramer has a Polaroid camera. He gets a picture of Jerry here, finally. Now, what I thought is odd here is so Kramer takes the Polaroid picture of Jerry. But when we see the picture later, it is not a Polaroid picture. It is like a four by six. I guess once he had a picture, Jerry probably said, I just use a better picture. But then we see Jerry being mad at the picture. So you're right. That's a a poor job with them on continuity. In the canon of the episode, it is the picture that Jerry is like shocked and doesn't know. It's it's supposed to be the picture that Kramer takes here. But they they did not get a Polaroid picture of Jerry. Uh, No, sloppy job by the writers here. They were taking the week off. Okay, so uh, Kramer likes the hair so much. Nobody wears their hair like that anymore. Kramer likes the throwback. I think for Kramer, it's sort of like a vintage haircut, the same way that he likes vintage clothes. He likes a haircut that nobody else is wearing. Yeah, there's a possibility. I don't know. uh, You know, we don't really get a reason why he likes it, but that's definitely an option. He also has some funny business with the Polaroid camera. He wants to take a picture of Wendy's hair. He ends up taking a picture of himself and the flash goes off in his face, uh, which is kind of funny. Yeah, that is funny. Okay. All right. So it's so like if somebody, you know, was watching this now like that, just the idea of like a Polaroid camera is probably insane to like one of my kids or something. Well, no, I think it's sort of a big thing for hipsters. The throwback. Yeah, but my my 10 year old daughter is not yet a hipster. No, my wife just bought a Polaroid camera and she oh, was boy. taking Polaroid pictures at the, at a we- at the wedding. Like, look. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. The Polaroid, but it probably costs 10 times more now. Oh, because- uh, yeah. Well, oh, <laughs> Can I guess what it costs? Can I guess what the Polaroid camera cost? Sure. The one, I'll tell you the one that she bought. Did she buy it online or did she buy it in LA? No, on Amazon. Okay, so maybe it's more reasonable. Yeah. I I don't think it was very expensive. Let me look this up. It might be the kind of thing where I get mad. I'm going to guess $49.99. It was, yeah, $55.85. Okay, good guess by Akiva. Yeah, all right, that's... It's probably way more than it, we would have been, you know, a decade ago, but right. it's not totally nuts. And she's just buying the film by the carton. And how much is that? Left and right. Uh, what did she buy? Twelve forty eight for the uh, twin pack of 20 photos. And uh, boy, I, I mean, I feel like she took 20 photos before we even left the house for the wedding. Yeah, I mean, I guess it adds to the wedding. You take it like it's a wedding. You know, you're like a backup wedding photographer or whatever, or the lead wedding photographer. And... uh all right, you know, it's for a wedding, it's not that much, but yeah. and you have Prime. Hey, there's no shipping Got the there. Got the Prime. Okay, yeah, yeah. so that's well, not so bad. Well, yeah, and she's making a collage, and really, who could put a price on that, Akiva? 
I would put a five dollars. <laughs> I, I would not want you to spend more than five dollars on a collage for me. Yeah, it's priceless. Although my, my for my thirtieth birthday, my parents made a like a snapfish book of like you know, with like thousands of pictures of me. Yes, that's like a collage, and they you know, that's like that was nice. So I guess I'm not so anti collage. Okay. <laughs> So Elaine is driving around with Wendy. We get a few scenes of Elaine driving around the city with Wendy. And Wendy likes Kramer. Yeah, and very little comes of this. Yeah, she likes the K-Man. But again, no payoff on that really either. So, all right. So here's George with, uh, at the, the physical therapy office. And we find out that Wendy actually did a really good job. And here's our receptionist. It's Carol Leifer or Leifer. Oh, yeah. And we never got an answer on that. I meant to ask her. Yeah, but um, or or research what she's saying, how she says her name. But yeah, um, a little, nice little spot for the for the writing staff here. Uh, yeah, I think George owes one hundred fifty dollars. She says. Yeah, and so it turns out that George had to take his mom to the chiropodist. Do you know what a chiropodist does? Well, obviously, I had to didn't, so I had to Google it, which I probably also had to do the last time I watched this. Yes, but. Uh, apparently it's what someone once called a podiatrist. Right, right. And it's the most outdated thing I think we've had in the whole whole series so far. Yeah, so chiropodist equals podiatrist. And And haven't we said the word podiatrist in in the series already? Like, why are we going to the word chiropodist now? We certainly have. I don't know. Maybe that it's, uh, you know, George's mom. I think we just just talked about podiatrists, right? Right. Yes, the, I, I, I swear I've I've mentioned the fact that my whole my whole school was started by podiatrists that became rabbis. I feel like I've mentioned that. on. But the I podcast. could see Estelle saying the chiropodist, chiropodist, chiropodist. And then that's just sort sure. of like being talked about. As. And it is a funny word. It's a funnier word than podiatrist. Plus, no one knows what it is. Like if I was a podiatrist, no offense to podiatrist. But like if I say I'm a chiropodist, then people they might think I'm a foot doctor, but they might also think that's like, you know, like the hardest part of the brain to get into doctor. I don't know. <laughs> Right. All right. So we see that the receptionist says that for George, that since he canceled the appointment, he has to pay for that appointment. So he doesn't owe just $75. He owes $150. To me, uh, this is, I think, probably some of the funniest business in the episode. And uh, to me, it's reminiscent of Jerry at the rent-a-car place with the reservation uh, because uh, that it really turns out to be very funny for when George comes back. Uh, yeah, it is it, right. It's, it is very similar to the you know you keep the reservation, but uh, uh, yeah, this this I, this does work. This is one of the better parts of the episode, also. Yeah. So uh, George is very offended about this because of the policy that Wendy has when she comes in. Because Wendy's like, "Hey, what's the problem here?" She's just like, "Okay, that oh, that's our policy. If you cancel within twenty four hours, you still have to pay for the appointment." Yeah. And George is really upset. If you go through insurance and it's not clear if George does, but he has a real job now. So I'd assume, you know, I don't know what the coverage for the Yankees is, but I'm assuming he is going through insurance like they ask Elaine for her insurance. Th- right. Then I don't think you can charge for a cancellation, right? I'm not sure. I don't think you can legal. I'm pretty sure. And you could probably you could probably ask your wife or we could ask Chester's wife or something like I don't know if if if, if you know, medically you can charge someone for, you know, giving treatment when you didn't meet the person that's like fraud yeah i have no idea i'm not I'm pretty exactly sure, sure but I, I could be wrong but i think that's uh that's not accurate does it if matter? you don't take insurance so you could do whatever you want i think but i don't know how you charge you know you could there are ways like you could say like oh well you know one cancellation or whatever and we're never seeing you again yeah like i don't know and, and does it matter if it's sort of like an elective sort of uh, treatment as opposed to any sort of thing that's like like does george need a doctor's note to be able to go through insurance 
Yeah, it's a good question. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know how insurance worked in the early 90s also. If it was easier, if you needed to. I don't know. Is there like copay for showing up or that you have to pay still? I'm not sure. Could you get a note from the chiropodist? <laughs> a note from the other doctor <laughs> yes. to go to the PT? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's, that's possible. And so George, he's sort of like storming off about, uh, again, he always calls Wendy the delicate genius, has a policy, and he storms off. And uh, they ask him, uh, so you're going to come back tomorrow? He's like, well, it's less than 24 hours, so I guess I have to. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. And the delicate genius thing, I feel like they wanted that to take off. Like yeah. worldwide, and it didn't. Did not. All right. So finally, uh, we see in the lobby uh, the montage, the collage that Kramer has made of all of the different faces. And it really, when you look at the pictures, uh, it looks like it is the exact Seinfeld writing staff. Oh, yeah. The, when, when you see the pictures, even before you see them, like, well, obviously the pictures they used were like the writing staff and probably the cameraman. <laughs> you know, every show does that to get themselves on. Right. So. They're all the guys, and it, really from the pictures on the wall, it does look like, you know, it's all a bunch of schlubby guys that live in this building. Well, I, if you've seen the, the Seinfeld writer's room, I think it's Carol Leifer slash Leifer and a bunch of schlubby guys at this point. Yeah. All right. So now here come all of the people that live in the building. Here's Steve. Steve saying, hey, Cosmo. Uh, Jerry is not thrilled with the picture that is ultimately up there. And now everybody is uh, all saying hello. Very friendly place now. It is really the friendliest building in, in the history of Manhattan, other than Jerry. Yeah. All right. So uh, we also find out that uh, that Kramer is going to uh, go out with Wendy. Elaine lets him know that. Yeah. That what, what happens there? Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. All right. So uh, Jerry is now uh, meeting Mary, who lives in the building, and now they finally know each other, and uh, now Mary is asking Jerry for help and also giving him a kiss hello. Elaine is uh, so tickled by all these kiss hellos that Jerry is getting. Yeah, and ultimately one of the reasons why the episode is not great is like, I, it's just, this is Jerry, this is crusade by Jerry to stop the kissing hello. One, it's just unrealistic that everyone's kissing hello, but more importantly, it, like, it's hard to really empathize with him. Like, who cares? Right. And also the solution to this is just four words. I have a cold. Yeah. Just say I have a cold. I have a cold. I, it won't last forever, but it'll buy you a couple months. And maybe that's why he doesn't want to do it. Right. Because then he's just back to it. But uh, I mean, just say you have some disease and you can never do it. Right. Or if you say like you have pneumonia, then no one's giving you a kiss for at least six months. Yeah. I have a cold. Mono. Have- what about mono? More realistic. How about I have bed bugs? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, have some like bedbug guy come once. No one's ever giving you a kiss again. That's right. a good point. <laughs> right. I don't know how big bedbugs were in the 90s. Now people would run away from now you. Now people probably. would move out of the building. Right. Sure. All right. So uh, Elaine is still all smiles. She's beaming about all these kiss hellos. I'm not sure why Elaine finds it so funny that Jerry's getting kissed hello. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, people like seeing Jerry miserable. Okay. Uh, we get some very sad news. Uncle Leo put Nana in a home. Yeah. And, you know, if we're, we, we often like to talk about who's the worst person on the show. And I think inarguably, Uncle Leo is uh, the worst regular. I mean, I, not inarguably, because I guess you could make a case for Leo or Newman. Right. But putting her in a home without consulting your sister, you know, that's a power move. I don't know if Leo is the one supporting her. I yeah. doubt it. But, you know, if if uh, if it was like, you know, if it was me and my sisters, I'd hope I have at least a 25 percent say in when we put our parents in home. If they did it without my asking, I'd still be OK, ultimately. But I feel like I would have liked to be, uh, you know, uh, at least asked my opinion. 
Yeah. My parents are in their early like 50s. I don't know if anyone's putting them in the home. But if my, my sisters did it, I feel like they should at least give me a, a heads up. Yeah. And so uh, it's really a very upsetting uh, piece of news uh, for Jerry. And he gets his parents uh, to find out about this. Uh, so we end up seeing then Jerry, who is going to go uh, find out about what's going on. And then we also see Jerry after this uh, getting more and more kisses in the lobby. Uh, he really can't take it anymore. Yeah. And again, like they, I feel like the scene happens seven times during the episode. Yeah. There's so many of these lobby scenes and I, I don't know if there's one too many or two too many, but it, it just, it's not doing anything for me. Yeah. Jerry has a good line when he's talking with Kramer about this. He says, I feel like I'm uh, Richard Dawson <laughs> down there, uh, which I, which I like. Is that a family feud host? Yeah. yeah he's the host of the family feud and kiss everybody. Uh, all the women there. I believe he met his wife, one of the contestants. Oh, re- really? Yes. It's a power move. Power move. So, all right. Especially since she came with her husband and their three children to the episode. <laughs> so Kramer ends up talking about how great this is. It's like part of a family. Jerry says, look, I'm already dealing with a family, putting Nana in the nursing home. Uh, the kissing thing is over. Jerry is out on the kiss hello. Yes. And then everyone is going to be made known of this fact. All right. Super sitcom-y moment alert. Kramer then, after Jerry says, I'm done with kissing, no more kissing hello, that Kramer, for no apparent reason, plants a kiss on Jerry on the lips. George opens the door at this exact moment, sees this happening, and then very slowly closes the door and leaves. This is like a season one family guy moment. Yeah. We're like, right? Isn't it? We're like the guy like backs out of the room. One, it's like, is George now I feel like it would be viewed as homophobic that George is leaving, right? Yeah. And you could say, like, maybe they're in the middle of something. He doesn't want to disturb them. And, you know, when they're they're having some fun. But like, I, I think it's like, why is and w- what happens next? Does George leave and go, you know, 20 blocks home or does he knock a minute later and be like, what the heck was that? Yeah. I mean, that Jason Alexander is the best part of this scene in the way that he leaves. But it really just makes very little sense in any of the canon of the show. Yeah. And I didn't freeze this, but did like it looked like he was kissing his lips, but like TV kissing his lips, like he was off to the side a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, it just doesn't even. Why is Kramer even doing this? I don't know. And it's also I actually think this should be like in a clip show, more memorable thing. It is kind of a funny thing, but for whatever reason, they didn't totally nail it like they should have. Yeah, it just it doesn't seem like it's this show. It seems like uh, this is like a big moment. If this happened on Perfect Strangers, probably biggest moment of the series right and what if like i want like could they have put more stakes on it like george somehow like pulls us back again <laughs> watching them kiss and then he's got to go back to the the pt and like explain what happened and then like she doesn't want to date wendy might not want, not want to date kramer anymore where she's at least concerned that like why is kramer kissing jerry yeah but why i don't know did this work for you <laughs> I, I, no i'm <laughs> saying it, i'm saying it didn't it just seems like this is a uh, a moment that just seems like a kind of just forced in. Yeah, we do. We do like to call out when it's very sitcom-y, which to be fair, it rarely the show rarely is. But this is very sitcom-y. that's why if it seems so out of place here. It's it stands out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, so we end up seeing George back at the office of Wendy and uh, they tell him, well, we were trying to get a hold of you. Wendy can't make the appointment. And George uh, gleefully uh, then tells the receptionist, oh, She's not here today. Well, that you owe me seventy five dollars. 
I mean, it is a bad job to not let him know. But again, pre-cell phone era, you know, if you leave a message at home, I guess you could call his work. But if you have that number, but there's not a lot you can do to let the person know. So then we end up seeing Wendy back in the car with Elaine. We see them that they're coming home from a ski trip. Uh, They ended up going to I don't know where what mountain it would be. But uh, they drove up ski trip and uh, that what what a day to hell with the patients. I'm going to say it was somewhere local because they're coming back. It's not even that late at night. Yeah. Elaine says it was 120 miles. She drove her. Yeah. I don't know. We Google like, a, you know, 120 miles away. Well, from I'm not sure. Is that round trip? Oh, good question. Well, 16, there are, your 16? options are very limited if you're only going 60 miles from the city. <laughs> All right. So we end up now. Wendy will not drop Elaine off in front of her building. Again, a new character trait for Wendy. Uh, I guess maybe that she's a delicate genius. Uh, maybe that ties into this. She will not drop Elaine off in front of her building. She will drop Elaine off three blocks away from her building. And this is a very city thing, right? I feel like no one would ever do this in L.A. Yeah. Like drop someone off three blocks from their house. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you could definitely identify with the idea of like, uh, this is going to make me go way out of my way. Like, I understand. Like, I've definitely had that in the city. But if it's your friend, you always drop them at the door. Yeah. So Elaine has to carry her skis and uh, and we find out later that she's going to like pull a muscle in her shoulder. Yeah. Wendy's a jerk. Wendy sucks. Okay. So Jerry is in the lobby. No more kissing. He's drawn a line in the sand on this. Uh, yeah. Drawn a line in the lobby. Yeah. So uh, we see Jerry now telling everybody. Uh, okay. So no more. No more kissing. Nothing personal. And uh, everybody's getting upset. He's just not doing it anymore. Why do they care so much? I don't know. Uh, I do. I could see people getting annoyed. I mean, yeah, nobody likes the one guy who doesn't follow the rules. Yes. All right. So we see Jerry on the phone uh, with his mom and uh, that uh, Uncle Leo is saying that he will not pay the money. There's no proof. I also love how cheap they are that like, you know, or indifferent that like Leo puts Nana in a home and they're not like running up to New York to see what's going on. They're like, OK, just go check on Nana. Yeah. You know, they they have like. We didn't discuss it, but uh, I guess she's stuck there forever. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Jerry's going to go investigate what's going on uh, with Nana. And uh, they end up going downstairs with Kramer. And uh, we see that Jerry's photo has been defaced. Yeah. People really, really upset about it. Yeah. They really hate Jerry. And now nobody is going to talk to Jerry. He is completely shunned in the building. Uh, yeah, they don't say shun, 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 though, or shame, shame, shame. <laughs> yeah. Make him and do the work. Now, Julio, the super, will not fix the hot water in Jerry's apartment and to add insult to injury. What a great payoff to that thing from earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we go and see Jerry now going to go look for Nan in the nursing home. Now, do you recognize this nursing home? Hmm. Is it this? Is it the mental hospital that that George's buddy went to? Is it the hospital that Poppy went to? It's they used the same place to shoot where Poppy was after Poppy had uh, the episode. What was the medical issue that that he got so upset about Elaine with the abortion talk? Was that why they had to go to the hospital? Yeah. And and then, yes. And then he had some. Well, that was a big debate we had, but he had some sort of stomach ailment or something. Right. Right. And then we discussed uh, then giving him the five alarm chili, uh, whether that was the cause to maybe the different version of the script uh, where he didn't pee on the couch. Yeah, truly our finest moment in 103 yeah. episodes. I just I recognize that because that No, I agree, buildings, right? It's where Kramer's standing up talking to Poppy. Yeah, and those buildings are at that CBS Radford lot. 
And so I feel like that they just stage that as a nursing home whenever they need to use a nursing home. Yeah, if you really pay attention, uh, which I don't, they use like uh, a, the same sets very frequently. Yeah, it's like the same barish, you know. The, they 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 dress up the same nice restaurant a lot of different times. Now that they built the street set last season, they use the exact. You know, you see the like the the really identical street set every time they're outside. Right, and always a lot of smoke on the street. I feel like maybe they overdo it, where I feel like that that does happen sometimes in Manhattan. Seems like almost as though the Seinfeld street is on fire most of the time. Yeah, the the manhole covers in the nineties were just going out out of control. <laughs> out of control. All right, so it turns out that Nana has a friend at the nursing home, somebody she knew, Buddy, the next-door neighbor, wouldn't you know, he's also at the nursing home. I mean, what were the chances that that Nana, her next-door neighbor, is of the same age and is also at the nursing home? I think it's 50-50. Yeah, there is or isn't. Maybe he was like, (laughs) that's why he's so much more spry. He was maybe, And we don't even know where she lived. Like, she might have lived in, like, upstate New York. Yeah. Growing up. Who knows? And no. we don't know where the nursing home is, really. <laughs> that we don't know either. It's not probably not in the city if it's like an outdoor nursing home. Okay. So George is carrying on and talking about how he's still trying to get the money from Wendy. Now, I'm not sure if he had a session there that day or he's just there trying to collect his money. Yeah, it's not clear. <laughs> it's not clear. And so, oh, okay, I get it. Your time is more valuable than mine because you're the delicate genius. Yeah, really, really trying to pump that delicate genius up. Okay, so here comes Elaine. She comes in because she now has this injury from carrying the skis. She wants treatment. And so Wendy says, okay, well, you have insurance, right? And Elaine is appalled. What, you're charging me? Now, if Elaine does have insurance, and there's a good chance she doesn't right now, right? Because I don't know if Mr. Pitt is paying her insurance. Mm -hmm. But who cares? Who cares if the doctor, like, you should want your friend to be able to make money that's not yours it's not like you're getting some giant uh right. you know this is this is not a, a trip to the ER, right there's a trip to a pt yes um I, like it, she is at, if she doesn't have insurance then i think she has a case but there's it's a very hard sell to wendy that it's your fault because wendy's just going to say no you heard it skiing probably yes so if Elaine has insurance, then Elaine is being the real a-hole here. Yeah, oh, totally. Why? Elaine has insurance. She's totally out of control here. <laughs> right. So Elaine is really appalled uh, by this. And so then eventually Wendy is going to kick them both out of here uh, in, just, in just a minute. Uh, but let's go back to Jerry and Buddy at the nursing home. And Buddy, of course, the key witness that he's able to tell Jerry moment by moment what happened. And Uncle Leo, what a what a brat he was. He got that money and did not give it to Helen. Yeah, and Buddy really, I don't know if this would hold up in court, but yeah, right. He has a photographic memory of something. A true that buddy. So he, yes. <laughs> a true buddy. Okay. So Jerry goes back to his building and he's trying to then reconcile with his neighbors. They're not having anything of it. No, he's even offering kisses. No, nothing's happening. I feel like this episode was missing some Newman. I think that Newman in all this, I think it would have been good to see him kissing everybody and being really the toast of the town where everybody. Yes, and then, right. And Newman's like the most popular guy in the building and Jerry is unpopular. I, I agree that would have uh, saved some of those scenes. You're right. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe he was unavailable. I feel like Wayne Knight was always available. Yeah. They just maybe they, you know, they didn't want to pay. Couldn't pay him that much. Maybe he was sick. I'm not sure. Yeah. Although they maybe made Julia Louis-Dreyfus work when she was sick uh, with Brian Cranston. That's, that's true. <laughs> All right. All right. So then uh, we end up with Wendy. And then uh, so finally, 
that she's saying, uh, okay, I think you need to take your business elsewhere. And then uh, finally, Elaine says, hey, uh, you need to do something about your hair. Yeah. And I mean, this is this is really petty and a last second thing. But I guess Wendy's a jerk and deserves it. Yeah. Was this really too mean of Elaine? I, it's pretty mean. I mean, it's so it's just very like George has more of a right to be mad at her now that he knows that, you know, she ditched her sessions to go skiing, which, by the way, is a right. Like you're even a doctor is allowed to take days off. I mean, I guess it, it you know, it just it's uh, not your policy is not consistent that she could cancel on no notice and that you can't. But, uh, uh, you know, neither of them really have the world's largest gripe against Wendy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the highlight of this is when Elaine uh, is talking about how that she is going that they went skiing together and George overheard it from outside of the office and he comes back in. And Wendy, how could you hear that? He's like, I hear everything. Yeah, that's really uh, that. Yeah, it's you know, it pays off that the hearing thing, which was a very minor point of the episode, but it does at least. Uh, and it is crazy. Like he was totally outside. How do you hear through an office? That's like a very thin <laughs> wall. Had his ear up to the door. Yeah, but still, that's uh, you know, his hearing is pretty remarkable. But I don't. Th- I wonder. We have to look out for it. But I don't think there's any other instances of him, him having incredible hearing in the series. Yeah. No, I don't think that that holds up, but that'll be something interesting to watch out for. George has super hearing. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. And so uh, the last part of the episode is where, you know, Jerry in the building is trying to uh, clear things up with everybody and they don't hold the elevator for him. So, I mean, really not uh, a very strong ending at all. No, like who cares? Yeah, the whole like if he gets his nose stuck in there or something, fine. Yeah, or like his mouth stuck, and now we can no longer kiss anybody. Hello, and like uh, I'm not. I'm not. Have ex- to wait another minute for the elevator. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know exactly why this is such a you know like a, it's not exactly a cliffhanger or anything. On yeah, uh, then we have a follow up also where Jerry still doesn't have hot water in his apartment, so he has to go use Kramer's shower, and Kramer is having a real get together of all the people from the building, and he can't come in because Jerry is shunned. Literally uh, all the people from the building, certainly 100 percent of the women, if we're looking at the wall. Yeah. So interesting. So uh, Jerry is banned and can't come in uh, the party. All right. So that is the kiss. Hello. And really, you know, we don't get any sort of tie up with the whole storyline. Like what ultimately ended up happening with Leo and the money? No, we don't know. No, that's really we only see Nana one more time. Uh, yeah, there's not, uh, yeah, that, like that could have been the most interesting part of the episode, but really nothing. Yeah, I mean, is there anything that they could have done? Um, I mean, I don't know, like, Leo's like, all right, I'll take her out of the home if you absolve me of the, of the, you know, the interest or whatever. Yeah, or or is in the home. We never find out about Leo in the $50. Who's paying for the home? Like, it's, it, you know, does Nana have a lot of money that it's her bank account? Like, I can't imagine Leo is chipping in. Like, is Leo splitting it with Helen? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly uh, what's going on there. So, really, um, we don't know. We don't know what we don't know what happens. Yeah, I don't. And it's not even on my list of questions to ask Jerry or Larry. No. All right. So let's uh, talk about anything that different that would have happened in 2016 uh, from the 1995. Yeah, nobody knows what flamenco dancing is anymore. Well, I think that the equivalent of this today is maybe not even the photo wall. Maybe, oh, why don't we have a Facebook group for the building? Yes, yeah, I agree. That would be that, you know, the building would have a Facebook group. I think someone in the comments uh, wrote in that there would be a WhatsApp group because that would be because uh, there's some WhatsApp groups that I refuse to join. So I, I definitely I don't even have WhatsApp. 
me, I think your life is better for it. <laughs> like, if you have a group of friends, people like WhatsApp, I'm still old-fashioned. I want an email chain. Yeah. It's more searchable and stuff also. Um, I think, uh, w- what else would be different? I don't know. The ketchup bottle doesn't really, uh, you know, that, that stuff doesn't really hold up. Yeah. Like, you know, of course we'd have the squeeze ketchup. Uh, I don't know. Um, I guess they it's didn't. Slow. They, yeah. Do, do you think there's less kissing hello now or more? I think it's about the same. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there, I don't think there's really been a dip in, in hello kissing. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get into uh, grading out the episode. Uh, and why don't we start with Jerry and the kiss helloing? And also, we will give him Nana and the $50. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what his motivation is. Uh, I'll give him a C for the kiss hello. I do think, to be fair, this, was n- this is never really viewed as like a bottom tier episode. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it is wacky, but it's one of those that the first time you watch it is very funny. But... There aren't a lot of jokes in it, so it holds up p- worse than almost any episode we've seen so far in terms of uh, just like, you know, the, like there's no home runs in the entire episode for sure. There's not even a triple. Yeah. Um, but it definitely this was like a semi-popular episode. So why? What know. was the part of it that was really popular? I don't There's not one classic scene, but I do think just the I, the concept of of like the the kissing hello and and. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, for whatever reason, this is never on anybody's like bottom 10 or bottom 20 list. Yeah. I don't know. I, to me, I think this might be worst of season six. Yeah, I think it. Well, we'll see in a minute if it's if it's my lowest ring season six. But yeah, there's, I definitely never laughed that loud in, 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 in the episode. So Jerry gets a C. Let's just give everyone like C minuses and call it All a right. day with the we'll ring. Call, we'll call it a day. I do think that George uh, with trying to get the $75 back, I think that this is probably a common thing. Anybody that's ever had a professional cancel on them says the same sort of idea. Oh, well, how come they can cancel on me, but I can't cancel on them? I think that's so that, I think that that's probably a thing. I'm not sure if Seinfeld was the first piece of media to ever explore this idea, but I do right. think it's something that people do reference. Right. It doesn't feel fresh now, but maybe it was then. And also, you know, in New York or L.A. now, this would be like three hundred fifty dollars. So you'd really be furious. It'd be very furious. It wouldn't be seventy five. All right. Akiva, what is your ranking? Where did the kiss hello land outside of the top 100? Oh, yeah, definitely. I have it at one thirty five. One thirty five. Uh, there's really, it's not, it's not like an unwatchable episode. There's no real boring scenes. You're sort of waiting for it to go somewhere. It doesn't go. Uh, I think it's a fair ranking. It's, there's much more going on. It's, I think it, it has, it's our new record for most scenes in an episode. Like there, there's much more going on than a lot of the, you know, sort of duller season two episodes. So it's not going to be in my bottom 10 or so, but, uh, I think 135 is fair. Yeah, I think it's really the Nana business that really just takes us away from what's going on with, with everybody else. Like, they, I think that maybe if you had some more time to really figure something out with these other characters, but just the business with, with Leo and Nana and Morty and Helen, the $50, Buddy, you know, all those people. Like, there's not really a laugh to be had there. Yeah, so you want a supersized episode of The Kiss Hello with more about Nana. Well, but no, le- but no, somehow less, less with let's Jerry take in the building. Take Nana out altogether. Oh, you want Nana excised from the episode, and you want like a like an eighteen minute episode. You want like friends to go along, and then this one we get like the nine twelve start. No, but I feel like that we were just too spread out there. That maybe we could have found you know a you know drilled a little bit deeper to find the meat there in the kiss hello part of the story. That maybe- once in a while the sh- the show does because they're a. You know, obligated to give each of the the, the core four 
a their own storyline, they do try and do too much in, in one 22-minute episode. So maybe this is an example of that. Like, I mean, they didn't really explore Kramer dating Wendy. Maybe that no. could have potentially led to something. Where- so we, we keep saying we want uh, less. Well, you need to fill out an episode. So I think that maybe take out the parts that really didn't work about Nana and the racetrack and Leo. So we're just putting in a whole subplot with Newman. We're replacing all of that with yeah, Newman. Yeah, get Newman in there. Get Newman in get the Newman mix in of that. Newman becomes... Like, instead of Kramer maybe being the mayor of the building, like maybe that Newman is becoming like... Uh, because now everybody knows his name and we talked about... Yeah, and Newman- then you have an antagonist for Jerry and it's even worse. Yeah. That could be that could be something. Maybe that Newman is leading the charge about like uh, you know being the popular guy in the building. <laughs> Who knows? All yeah, right, not a bad idea. Yeah. All right, all right. So Akiva, let's get into our feedback from the Kiss Hello Seinfeld at Post Show Recaps is our email address where you can send us in all of your comments about these episodes as we go along. Where do you want to start on the feedback, Akiva? Well, let's get some, uh, some, you know, we'll catch up from last week. And Dennis from Australia writes in and he talk, he's talking about uh, last week's episode. And he says, uh, I love this episode, but he's talking about the beard. I, I can't stand Sergeant Tierney, right? The, the police detective who's obsessed with Melrose Place. He says she's the worst actor I've seen on the show. She's an overactor. Now, last week, if you remember, I said I would get to the bottom of a mystery. Do you remember the mystery? No. Okay. Did, did you hear it the first time, even? <laughs> <laughs> a <laughs> lot right. has happened in the nine days since we that's recorded fair, that That's podcast. fair. That's yeah. fair. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, the, the actress's name is Catherine Lanassa. Oh, oh the, the Grant Show thing? Yes. And, and yes. as we said, she was married to uh, Dennis Hopper, mm-hmm. French steward, and now she's married to Grant Show, an actor from Melrose Place, and we thought it was remarkable that this actress whose most famous role is being obsessed with you know Melrose Place and giving Jerry a lie detector test about Melrose Place marries one of the leads of the show. Right. So during last week's episode, I tweeted at Lady Lanassa and said, "Is it a coincidence that the Melrose Place cop from Seinfeld married a Melrose Place star, or is there more to the story?" Yes. So I got a response. What'd she say? She said, "And that I lived in a neighborhood in Baton Rouge, also called Melrose Place. It's all coincidence." Okay. So everyone waiting with bated breath can finally uh, relax. There is. It's just a coincidence. It is pretty remarkable, honestly. But what are you going to do? Extremely remarkable. Also, (laughs) uh, just another follow up that we had talked about the police lineups. And was that canon that people were getting paid to be in police lineups to make 50 bucks? Uh, Tara from Long Island wrote in the comments uh, from last week. Lineups may be conducted completely differently today. But I can remember two times when I was asked by the detective squad to find a civilian in my sector who matched the specific physical description to be in a lineup. And anyone who agreed was paid $50. More often, it was an off-duty officer who fit the description uh, that they would do it. Lineups in my precinct uh, were not that common, however. Uh, The Suffolk County Police Department has approximately 2,800 officers, whereas NYPD has approximately 30,000. So proportionally... I would assume that the NYPD conducts many lineups. So Tara from Long Island says that this is uh, this is canon. This is, uh, in fact, how that would work. Yeah, and I, I think also in the comments I posted the article I discussed last week about the guy in the Bronx whose like, job it is to find sort of people who match the descriptions. But I think they got paid much less. I think it was like $10. Okay. And this is 20 years later. But uh, yeah, so it, it, good job by Tara from Long Island. Okay. All right. So uh, let's get into some feedback about this episode. 
Yeah, Johnny De Silvera says with inflation, Uncle Leo would now owe Helen three hundred ninety-two dollars and twenty-five cents. Mm. Now, is that on it's the interest? Oh yeah. See, he said something about the interest, right? Warren Seinfeld sure. was calculating five percent interest on that money. That's true. And didn't That's factor true. in inflation. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know what what Johnny was uh, what his numbers are. He also wants to know uh, what her hairstyle was that turned Kramer off from dating her. The Rachel. Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> but the Rachel is in now. <laughs> it's back. She's uh, she she was just named today uh, a people's best looking woman or sexiest How woman does alive. That work. You know, with all due respect to Jennifer Aniston. How is Jennifer Aniston in 2016 the most beautiful woman in the world? She's got a really good publicist. I got the best publicist, yeah. In the she, world. She has the most money in the world. I, I am shocked that sometimes I watch on TV, they have a commercial where Jennifer Aniston is flying on a plane and she's on the plane looking for a shower. Have you ever, I'm sure you have. Yes, seen I've seen that commercial. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and she's on What's plane. it for like, which, which airline is it for? Uh, I, I want to say like. I think it's a Middle Eastern Emirates, airline, right? right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, so she is looking for a shower on, and it's like, okay, this is like some bizarre dream. It's and, very relatable. <laughs> right, right. Emirates airline. And so, and then she wakes up, oh my God, I was having the horrible dream that I was on a flight that didn't have a shower. Who in their right mind would want to take a shower on an airplane? Who wants to get completely naked and then uh, be on, on a, some plane taking a shower? Uh, you don't even want to be in the bathroom on a, on an airplane. Well, I imagine her bathroom looks a little different than the the ones we have to go to on the right. Plane. Uh, I just class. did a Google search. I'm like, well, uh, like why uh, why are the 99 percenters not all picketing outside of Jennifer Aniston's house after this? And I just did a search that uh, this is a FoxNews.com article from October 2015. Emirates defends snobbiest ad ever featuring <laughs> Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> really, Bernie Sanders really should uh, like take down Jennifer Aniston. It's true. He should be forget about Clooney. He should be going after Aniston, and this is absurd. I won't even attempt and to do a Bernie Sanders impression anymore after you no sold it two weeks. No, ago. I, well, I was. I think I was doing something else. I it, it, people liked it. I think it was good. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, Jennifer Aniston with this uh, airplane ad. Look, Jennifer. Aniston. Somebody actually tweeted. I think Rember tweeted today. That if Bernie Sanders had Jennifer Aniston's publicist, he would have been president already. Yeah, boy. <laughs> that is right. I mean, 40 and, and, and also like, you know, you won the podcast award, right? Oh, and we should. Should we remind people to vote for Post Show Recaps now that I mention it? Yes. Uh, voting is open at podcastawards.com to the nomination process is open. Hopefully uh, they will. You know, whoever gets nominated with the most votes uh, will uh, they will get, get in. Uh, we won't have to talk about that. But. Uh, yeah, podcastawards.com. We are registered. Post show recaps. Yeah, so, um, so we, but you won with, with Rob as a podcast, so you are, uh, you are a legacy. So shouldn't Jennifer Aniston, who won like a decade ago, uh, the sexiest woman alive, shouldn't she be a legacy? Like, how so do you, how do you let win that does, twice? This isn't sexiest woman, this is most beautiful person alive? What, what whatever this? the famous people award is. I don't remember the exact title. Yeah, so it's is the, this a different award? One. Jennifer Aniston... Uh, what did she just? What did she just get named? Uh, most beautiful. Okay, so maybe. So is this like the? Do you graduate from sexiest to most beautiful? No, I think the man, the man award is sexiest man, and the woman is most beautiful. Oh, uh, it's not sexiest woman alive. She previously no, held the title in, sure in two thousand four at age thirty five. Now they have to factor in who's going to sell copies because they could just find like a lady off the street who's really attractive. 
but no one's going to buy that issue of the magazine. Yeah. I don't but know. still, I feel like you shouldn't be able to win it twice. Like, we got the point. She's good looking. Right. And it's nice that, you know, that you're uh, acknowledging a 47-year-old woman in Hollywood, but you could also acknowledge a 47-year-old woman who didn't win the award already. I don't know why we're doing, like, 20 minutes on Jennifer Aniston winning this award. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know how we got onto it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, great publicist. If, if, if uh, you know, Rob needs a, uh, Rob has a PR firm, ever needs, like, a, you know, an outside publicist. I feel yeah. like we got to find out. How, what do you think she pays her publicist? It's got to be some exorbitant amount. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Let's say like you think 50 grand a month. them a lot of money to bury all these articles about the outrage about the uh, Emirates shower ad. Because I feel like I didn't see any of this uh, sort of backlash about it. But it does seem like that there were a lot of articles written about it, about how uh, it was really obnoxious. And I didn't see any of those. And I've seen the, the, the commercials are all over the place. I've seen the commercials a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the but you know what they did also probably i bet like she won this still last running though why <laughs> no because i don't think I, I think we're overrating the outrage i think every and it's not just fox news i think it you know it, it, every outlet like that will the, the, i don't know you know you have to fill 24 hours of airtime so you'll find a lot of nonsense stories i can't imagine there's a ton of outrage about it still but also like i think there's a lot of stories that she's getting divorced so this is like a great way to bury it to like get that out of the news. Oh uh, yeah, what's so I, yeah, I wonder if like so I wonder if like Jennifer Lawrence was winning this award last week and they said like oh she'll give you the scoop on the divorce. Yeah, what's we going on with the, with the Justin Thoreau divorce? With Thoreau, totally. So it's like we we gotta we got. By the way, this has been uh, this is a new segment called uh, Gossip Hour with Robin <laughs> Jennifer <laughs> Aniston Hour. Also, yeah, because Vanessa Bear did to tie this back into Seinfeld and Julie Louis Dreyfus and Bernie Sanders after Elaine Bennis asked a question uh, on SNL to Bernie Sanders again, tying in the uh, the, the <laughs> Julie Louis Dreyfus Bernie Sanders uh, Jennifer Aniston triangle that we have on this show. Uh, that if the character of Rachel. <laughs> which had the haircut that Wendy ended up getting after she changed her hair, asked a question after Elaine Bennis as another famous New Yorker. Yeah. So do you think the publicist got them in? Like we need, we need an Aniston reference this week on SNL. Lauren, can you help us out? I don't know. I, has she ever hosted SNL? Jennifer Aniston? Yes, I believe she has. She has. Okay, fine. So maybe she called in the favor. I'm not sure. Okay. But anyway, uh, that airplane commercial is terrible. And you should, nobody should be taking a shower on an airplane. Never, never. Uh, what about those double decker? one? I, I don't know. I saw I saw a YouTube video with Trump's airplane. It looks pretty nice. I feel like he could take a shower. <laughs> what about Air Force One? If you're Obama and you're going like from you're on like one of those overseas trips, you're going from one like world leader to the next. You don't want to take a shower in between. All right, fine. Fine. The president can Air Force One. The president can Jennifer Aniston, uh, you know, publicly in a commercial having a nightmare that she's on an airplane without a shower. Like, it's like uh, that's so an airplane with a shower can exist, but you shouldn't be literally having a nightmare that you are on an airplane that does not have a shower. I hear you had a nightmare on an airplane, but you didn't wake up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I look, I've been on a flight uh, with kids and uh, it was not nearly as bad as being on a flight with my own kids. Like at least like at the end of the day, I could say, like, boy, these kids are really being uh, bad on the plane. Wow. What what if you had been like uh, Nicole? I gotta go take a shower. I'll be back in twenty. Right. The bright side is I didn't own those kids. Uh, yeah, this was this was tough. Okay, all right. So we really we've really uh, lost the thread here. Uh, let's try to find it again uh, and get back to Max B. Writes in with an email. Can't believe this is my first time emailing in. I'm happy to join the ranks as a TV fanatic. For some reason, once I start a show, I have a hard time stopping until it's over. 
Thus, my most embarrassing TV viewing, uh, going back to Akiva talking about Melrose Place, uh, has to be the last three or four seasons of HBO's True Blood. Similar to Jerry, I tried to hide the fact that I watched it, uh, but slipped up and had to tell when my sister accidentally got some trivia out of me. 30 plus hours of my, my life, I'll never be able to uh, get back. We're wasted on Sookie and her vampire Bridget Jones situation. Love the show. Hope you don't regret it too much, Rob. It's my favorite part of the entire Rob as a universe. All right, True Blood. No, I, even I stopped watching that. I never, I never watch. I'm not a big vampire guy. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. There's one more uh, embarrassing story that someone wrote in on. That's Melissa. I assume not my mom. I don't think she listens to the podcast. Yes. But uh, Melissa, not my mom, writes, uh, she's a little older than us, but the nerdiest thing she ever did was in the late 90s. This could be my mom. My friend and I used to go clubbing. And they were completely into Madonna. And she's ashamed to admit that they wore the lace gloves, no fingers, of course, black lace leggings, chunky jewelry, and tutu-like skirts. Uh, What I can't really believe is I purchased a replica of the boots Madonna wore in Desperately Seeking Susan. Is that a movie, a a video, or a TV show? That's a movie. Okay, Desperately Seeking Susan. Rhinestone suds, and she's ashamed for it. Okay, I mean, that's not I feel like everyone was dressing like Madonna in the late 80s, though. Yeah, I feel like if you dress like Madonna now, I think that that would be something. Yeah, that would be weird. But in the late 80s, you know, well, the, what, what, what fashion was really better than whatever you were doing, Melissa? Yeah. Not much. All right, why don't you give us Amir and then I'll bring us home with Chester. Okay, Amir says, uh, George comments that putting heat and ice on his arm seems like a lot of trouble. In what logical universe is applying heat and ice more trouble than the cost, time, and annoyance of going to a physical therapist for multiple appointments? As someone who avoids doctor's visits at all costs, this decision is mind-boggling. Yeah. I also wanted to say, and I agree, that I, I'm like Amir, I avoid doctor's visits probably at a, at a great detriment to my health. That's why we have Chester waiting in the wings just in case something happens to me. But... But I, I really liked in the first uh, scene where George sees Wendy and he starts like asking for PT advice because I don't go to doctors, but then I have some friends who are doctors. So like when I see them, I'll be like, hold on, I'll like take off my shirt, like check out this mole, you know, I will ask like eight medical questions that I've been saving for like two years every time I see like a doctor friend. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like no joke. I could pull my my sister's father in law is a is a is a doctor. And like literally he'll come over to my parents' house. I'll be like, come, come to the other room. I got to like show you this. I got like eight questions for you. But you also like certain doctors hate it, but he loves it. Okay. So <laughs> that you don't have too many delicate geniuses that you. Uh, no, I, I, I avoid the I avoid the appointments and the delicate geniuses. I feel like you see a doctor on the street. You say like, is it normal that this is happening? You know? Yeah. You just start it right away. I just go straight for the jugular. Or I'll email my friends like a picture of like my kid's bruise or something like that. Or like, <laughs> is this a, no, I literally like I check out these x-rays. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, Amir also wants to know, he doesn't understand the lane's revenge at the end of the episode. She ends up te- directly telling Wendy that her hairstyle is terrible. And and the receptionist, Carol Leifert, uh, confirms it. Isn't that just helping Wendy in the long run, he asks? Wouldn't convincing Wendy to keep her current hairstyle be a better retribution? Yeah, forcing her to date Kramer. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, that's not a bad point. Like, you're, you're giving your style advice as your breakup. Yeah, yeah, I think that the best revenge might be don't ever change that haircut. It is perfect for you. Yes. Okay. And do you think the secretary get fired for agreeing there? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. What was that thing that Carol Liefer kept doing every time that she was on this? It was almost like what we were talking about with uh, John Lovitz that uh, he kept adding uh, Jack to the end of all his things. Like, Carol Liefer was like, oh, I need a thing. Uh, I'll just do... Like at the end of all my sentences. Yeah, you got to make the most of your 15 minutes when you're on the show once. It's like, I don't really have a character trait. Let me just add some sort of a weird thing to the end of my uh, lines. I'm improving. Yeah, what are they going to do? Fire me? I'm not even an actress. Right. All right. Finally, Chester says, 
This isn't exactly breaking new ground, but the never going to work really annoyed me in this episode for some reason, which takes place uh, from Monday through Thursday. Yet George spends every day hanging out with Jerry at the coffee shop, taking his mother to the Chiropodist, dropping off uh, in on Jerry when he's mid kiss and making daily appointments uh, with Wendy. Do you think Chester sent this email uh, after work <laughs> or during work? <laughs> and when did he watch the episode? <laughs> yeah, Chester, uh, really, I don't He's know why. Make me take this out. <laughs> this really annoyed him in this episode. In 2016, uh, Jerry would not have become a social pariah in his building. Kramer would have started a WhatsApp or Facebook group in the building. Okay, so uh, Chester's on board with that. And Jerry could stay in the group while simply putting it on mute, making his neighbors none the wiser. Yeah, I mean, we said that, but it is it is true. I feel it would be social media uh, sort of trouble that Jerry would be in right. rather than no, real I world agree. trouble. That the equivalent now would be Kramer gets everybody in a Facebook group and Jerry decides to leave the group. I think that that would be the equivalent now and everybody would be mad. Or he will like or they keep tagging him and he won't like favor anything or respond. So they kick him out of the group and he wants to get back in. Uh, yeah, I feel like him leaving the group, I think, would be what would make everybody so mad. You know why he life. leaves? I feel like there's one person who posts like dozens of times a day in the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and he's like, I can't deal with this anymore. Or maybe that Newman posts a lot in the group and everybody like favor likes. Newman's oh, yeah, that's true. That Newman's like, like the king a, of the, he's really? like the mayor of the group. Everybody <laughs> likes his post like his that this post has uh, 36. Give likes. me an example of a Newman post that gets like 100 likes in the Facebook group. Uh, just sort of like a, uh, any sort of, uh, meme. I'm trying to think of, let me look on my Facebook feed real quick and see if I could find (laughs) an example of what a Newman uh, status update, but it just like some sort of like corny joke. I think that would be. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I do think like a meme that like, or, or what if it's like a Snopes thing? Like he, he posts something, but like it's easily disproven by Snopes, but no one cares. And. (laughs) He still gets like 47 favorites for it. Yeah, I think that's something like that. Or like something that obviously like uh, some sort of uh, where he's putting a joke up where some sort of plagiarized type thing where he's. Oh, if it's Jerry's joke. If it's Jerry, the Jerry's joke. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I could see it. All right. And then finally, uh, Chester says, making Elaine schlep with her skis three blocks when you have a car is what makes Wendy the worst character in the show's history, right? Oh, hot take from Chester. Yeah, I, she's bad, but uh, Baby Shower Lady was worse. Definitely. She's, she's in the bottom 10. She has no redeeming qualities, but she's not the worst. Yeah. All right. Uh, she's a good physical therapist. That's, that's yeah, that's redeeming. true. She's good at her job. That's really the, all that's important. All right, Akiva, where are we going next week? Uh, I feel like next week it'll be, it'll be a bounce back. Speaking of characters that get one chance and make the most of it, we got Larry Miller in The Doorman. We got The Man's Ear. Uh, we got we got uh, we got a lot going on. Should I try and get Larry Miller? I feel like that's a hard get. No, I, I saw him in one of uh, the worst uh, seems like direct to Netflix movies uh, recently. What movie was that? I'd rather not say. OK, well, I, since he's been in dozens, I feel like <laughs> you can't just Google that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think if you look at his IMDb, I think it'd be easy to crack the case. Yeah, well, I'm glad I think he is doing well. I do think he had a. Uh, I do think he had a traumatic brain injury of some sort because uh, he used to be on Adam Carolla's show and he, I think he had a stroke, but I think he's doing much better now. So good to hear. I do like Larry Miller, but uh, uh, was you saying because he was bad in the movie, we shouldn't try and get him on? Oh, I'm not saying he was bad in the movie. I'm, I'm saying that he was well, you know, you know, because the- he was in a bad movie. I right. shouldn't I shouldn't tweet at him and say, hey, Larry, you want to do the show next week? Uh, you can certainly reach out to him. I and mean, I did what, say I don't like doing the actors. I, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of anti doing the actors, but he's friends with Jerry. 
Larry. He's a good friend of Jerry. So I wonder if he has something to say. Could not hurt. Don't assume he's going to be there next week. But yeah, either way, the doorman is a fun episode. Okay. All right. Well, looking forward to that. What's the hashtag? Hmm. Do you want, uh, what was the thing from the very beginning? <laughs> Which Delicate, idiots? Delicate idiots. Delicate idiots. Sure. Let's do that. Delicate idiots. Uh, thanks so much to Mike Moore, who writes the recap, and Scott St. Pierre, who edits the Seinfeld recap podcast. Akiva, you can follow him on Twitter. He is at Keeve26. He has recently ranked his top 100 TV shows of all time. Uh, I mean, is there any drama? Is Seinfeld automatically number one? Uh, listen, you got the only we've only posted 100 through 51 because we, we had gone to two hours. But uh, listen, you got to listen to 50 to one. And uh, there is drama, I guess. But, you know, it's definitely up there. It's definitely on Mount Rushmore. We'll see if it ends up at number one. OK, you can follow the 32 fans podcast by uh, searching or Googling uh, 32 fans anywhere. Right. Yes. Are we going to get your hundred greatest TV list by next week? No, definitely not. Why not? You got no, you got nothing to do. I don't have it. <laughs> like I don't have a, uh, a spreadsheet ready to go of it. Well, I'll tell you, it's easy to do. Yeah. If you, if you have the two hours to kill, which obviously you don't. But let's say let's say you're just like uh, someone's driving you nuts this week or something. You're like right, I need I need to do something that's totally stupid. Not just for you, for anybody. Right. I just went to the the like I went to CBS and on their Wikipedia, it's like, here's the list of our shows. And like very quickly, okay, I've seen that, you know, I've seen these 12 shows like in their entirety. And then I just did that with the four major networks and then like, you know, HBO, Showtime, FX and very Netflix. And then you're done. It's pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, if somebody <laughs> is, really, is really bothering me, the last thing I'm going to do is probably go work on uh, some sort of a Google spreadsheet. Really? I'll probably just be like pacing. <laughs> like, <sighs> Are like you a guy. pacer? I'm a big pacer. A pacer and a uh, big exhaler as I look to the sky. Are you an eye roller? Oh, major, major eye roll. But uh, but in like contact, or do you like turn around and roll your eyes? Um, I'm saying you like eye, roll your eyes to the person, or or like behind the back of the person. Uh, if if I'm being annoyed to such uh, great lengths, I think I would. I, I might do it in front of a person. All right. Well, listen. Next week's next week's episode will be. My better, wife guys. is extremely sensitive to it. <laughs> well, everyone's sensitive to eye rolls. No one is pro eye roll. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a thing. That's a thing. All right. Akiva, great job this week. Uh, we will be back with the doorman next week on the Seinfeld Recap Podcast. Looking forward to reading your comments on PostShowRecaps.com. Take care, everybody. Bye.